So a good friend of mine is home visiting his family. Um, he grew up in near where I live, I'm in Maine, and he's a really excellent guide. And we were chatting about guiding as we normally do. And he had spent a few, I think maybe six weeks in kind of based out of Chamonix. And for the last five years, he's been spending about a month or two months in a summer in Chamonix guiding over there. And, uh, you know, we were chatting about that. And he was mentioning how, you know, he's kind of getting less and less excited about that in some ways. And a big part is that how much the mountains have changed in the last five years and just the time frame that he's been there during the summer like how much the glaciers have changed how much the snow um fields have changed in places where there used to be traditional snow fields or pockets of snow and pocket glaciers in the summertime there's no longer these these features and how much rock falls happening in the alps as as things are warming up right as everything warms up you know you you know you get warm temps higher up which is freezes or thaws things rather um that typically are frozen and things expand like rock expands and that starts moving cracks and moving blocks off and you know seeing chunks of mountains falling off um I mean, he just told me about uh rock fall that happened in on the Matterhorn which a, which a guide and a client got you know knocked off the not knocked off the mountain just like fell off the mountain cuz a chunk of the mountain fell fell off with these client guide on it you know and how he's getting really nervous about certain times of year there um you know especially up high in the alpine zones and you know we're seeing that everywhere we're seeing changes to the cliff whether it's climatic i remember actually a few years ago someone called the climbing school and and talked to me about what New England guide services may be doing to think about um, climate change, specifically around winter activities like ice guiding, and are we doing anything about it in terms of changing what we do? And, you know, it's something that we've certainly thought about and we kind of experience as the weather does change, and we're seeing oftentimes, especially in winter environments, a more compressed season. Um you know, and more people doing stuff in a shorter amount of time, you know, that's available to get the good conditions for it. So we're seeing a sustainability piece both on the kind of global scale with the the climate change, but we're also seeing a sustainability piece in some ways with just the amount of traffic of newer climbers coming to areas to climb, you know, especially areas that have, you know, really easy, accessible climbing that's of moderate grades, you know, may have a lot of good fixed anchors. So, you know, this is pieces I think about all the time. It's like, I travel a lot for work. I drive. I mean, I've put 85,000 miles in my car, and I've only had it for three years. And a lot of the times, my car is parked for days on end as I'm somewhere else. Either I parked it at an airport, or I drove somewhere and spent, you know, five, six, seven days kind of in the backcountry and not driving. So, I'm, you know, I still have a lot of miles in my car, and I, I feel really torn about flying to places to work you know i love to go places you know i like to go into interesting terrain i like to go places that challenge me and challenge my skill sets and and you know but the reality is is like i'm a big part of the problem you know like 
air travel is horrible. We all know it. There's like, there's no way of getting around it. Like, oh, it's still kind of okay. It's like, no, the much as much traveling as Western, the Western world does is well, the whole world really. I mean, is 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 really unacceptable at this point. You know, if you think about it, it's just pumping, you know, admissions right into the atmosphere, and we all do it. You know, and and driving as well. Like I drive all the time and I'm starting to like really question, should I really keep doing that? And then it's not just my travel, but when I travel somewhere, I'm encouraging a whole bunch of clients to travel there too. So there's all their airfare, especially if we're arriving at different times, you know, coming over and meeting me and, and, or whatever. So it's more than just me. Um, but then I look at it like, well, if I don't fly, then those planes are still going to fly, so I should at least go, you know. So there's this sustainability piece that the irony is is that for me, a part of what I do is being a steward of the environment and the areas that I go and work in and and trying to pass it on to my clients and other folks I work with. But I'm also a direct cause of some of these issues. Like I... I like to go ski guide in Iceland and, you know, every year it's like April's really warm. Like it's a lot of days where it doesn't get below freezing um, unless you're at the very, very tips of some of the peaks, which are really hard to get to if you're ski touring, um, which is a little better for heli skiing. But then you take a helicopter, once again, you're adding more um, emissions into the atmosphere, you know. So, and they just took a glacier off, they just took a glacier off um, the glacier list, I guess is one way of putting it, due to climate change. They're like, oh, do a, this glacier disappeared, and we no longer call it a glacier due to climate change. Um, so it's it's crazy, you know. So this sustainability piece is, is interesting. How can we be good stewards of the environment, not just to have good terrain to work in, but for everybody, right? So the whole world needs... Um, more sustainable practices yet we're a big part of the problem i also see that as an issue with just the rampant consumerism that the outdoor industry has i mean i'm a part of it too i've bought a lot of gear in my life partly because i kind of like gear you know i like to have try newer stuff out so i'm kind of current with the newest kind of belay devices and i do use gear a lot for work obviously so i go through it more readily um like clothing and stuff like that so i do need to kind of update clothing a little bit on a little more regular schedule but you know i'm just as guilty as anybody about buying new gear i've actually finally kind of gotten over that part of my life and i'm i'm more about replacing stuff that needs to be replaced versus just like buying something that's new and shiny um, just for the fact that it's new and shiny. Um, but that's a huge deal. Like every year, like new equipment comes out. Oh, you can't use last year's stuff. You have to buy this year's stuff. And it really rarely changes. Just the colors change, you know, or slight details. So, you know, there's a whole piece to our outdoor retail um, industry that is really geared towards rampant consumerism. And think about what most of those products are made out of. They're made out of petroleum-based products, nylon or some synthetic materials in our soft goods, right? Um, a lot of energy goes into making, you know, steel, you know, for crampons and ice axes. That's one reason why I like Gravel is that they use a lot of solar power um, as part of their forging process. But, you know, that, that energy comes from somewhere. Um, and it's that's another big piece of this. So there's this, this sustainability piece on kind of using resources to get what we go. I mean, think about 
you see videos of people like heli skiing or going way into the backcountry to climb something and there's a huge support network to get them in there and it's a huge amount of resources for a very few people very small amount of people to go do something right and sure what they might be doing is cool and interesting but is it really helping the planet i mean no in some ways in some ways it helps raise human consciousness and to see what's actually possible i i totally believe that piece of it but you know a couple bro snowboarders going you know skiing you know heli skiing in valdez like sorry bro snowboarders but you know really um so but it's an interesting piece you know like our impact and what we choose to do um and you know that comes back also to the cliffs just being more and more crowded as more and more people are going in there. So we're not we're not, we're also adding that to it, right? I'm taking more people out, which are those people are getting excited about climbing and then therefore they buy equipment and they travel, but they also go to climbing areas and there's more congestion and more erosion and more um impact to climbing areas as as more and more climbing areas are getting better fixed hardware like you know instead of having slings around trees we're putting bolts in in places but you know it might save the trees initially but it brings more people in because it's easier access so the trees still might get killed at some point just because of the amount of uh, people and impacting the cliff you see more trash to the cliff you more people just kind of have their stuff everywhere so there's more visual impacts it's getting harder to get on climbs in certain areas just because it's so busy you know so that's another piece of sustainability like how do we sustain this finite resource that we have in terms of just being able to go out there and access these resources and it's like people have the right to access these resources but you know not everybody goes out there thinking about what they do and how their actions impact the people next to them right very few people do that you know it's interesting very few people understand what i do guiding that i do specifically to lessen my impact to other users at the cliff right so being efficient and fast so really knowing my skill sets keeping my my equipment really nice and neat right being able to um go do other climbs that are maybe more obscure or a little more awkward right and leave the good climbs open for the the wreck party or whatever it's like you know there's just not the same level of consciousness you see with other guides and climbers about like how they impact other users to that area and it, sometimes it kind of drives me crazy and it's like leave no trace everybody's like oh leave no trace but they oftentimes don't think about the broader impacts of um leaving a trace right it's like they just think about packing trash out but what about all the other impacts that you get you know visual you know sound impacts you know trash impacts or you know long-term impacts erosion stuff like that so that's all part of this sustainability piece which is kind of interesting so we have this kind of environmental piece um that we're kind of in juxtaposition with with kind of our some of our thoughts and messaging in, in the outdoors but what we actually do and the choices we actually make um, but there's another piece of sustainability that's kind of interesting as well that ties into this and that's the sustainability of you as a professional guide so if you think about that you know a lot of us want to travel right because you get valued on the cool things that you do like oh i guided this or i guided here and, and we're all we're all prone to that i mean i you know when i go someplace interesting and guide something i'm I'm proud to say I did that, but that's just the normal human thing. But, you know, there's a lot of value about on where you've gone and what you do in those places versus you valuing what you do with your clients every day, right? You're, you're judged a lot less about that 
quality experience versus what you've gone and done. And, you know, I live in an area where there is climbing here. You know, I do have to drive about an hour to get to it. It's, it is fairly limited, but it's beautiful. Um, and, you know, I guide in this area and I've guided in this area for a long time and it's pretty small. It's techie and there's some interesting pieces here that you don't get in a lot of other small areas. But, you know, you're doing a lot of repetitive things. And, you know, a lot of the younger guides that come here, you know, they, they can kind of come here for a few years and then they kind of want to do something else. Um, so they want to travel other places and do other things, which is fine. Um, and so there's a piece of, of us that like get bored. So how do we keep our mental fatigue as a, on a long-term scale, you know, from weighing us down too much as guides. And part of that is going new places and getting new challenges right but then once again we have the the negative side effects of that of adding more using more resources to do that and you know i had this experience the other day where i had a morning session and an afternoon session the morning session was with some clients i've climbed with for several years and then some friends of theirs who i have climbed with before they had some bunch of kids some of the kids were like six and seven year olds and the other kids were in their teens and, you know, we went out there. It was a pretty big group. There were two guides um, working in that group, me and, and, this, and this woman. And we went out there. And we, we went to a spot that we go to all the time. And we set up a whole bunch of different climbs. And everybody was tying in. Everybody was belaying. Even the little six-year-old boy was belaying. You know, I was sitting right next to him helping him belay his little sister, you know. And, um, and then we moved some climbs around, you know. And, and we kind of, like, hit all the right buttons for the group, right? Everybody was super happy. They all had climbs that challenged them. They all got to, like, have some you know, ownership and tying in and belaying and kind of moving around and we just kind of manage everything. And then in the afternoon I went out and similar thing with a family I hadn't climbed with before. Um, two um, girls, kind of 10 and 12, mom and dad. You know, we set up a whole, set up a couple of climbs, got warmed up, everybody was tying in, everybody was belaying, moved around some other climbs and moved to some other climbs and did some other stuff that they, hey, hey can we do this? You know, and they were super psyched. They got to, the girls got to build a lot of confidence. And, you know, everybody had just the right challenge kind of emotionally and physically. And it's like I ended my day going, you know, that was a really great day. I went to the same cliff in the morning and the afternoon. These are small climbs, maybe 25 feet tops, you know, moved around, did some dynamic stuff like, you know, did some techniques that are a little bit more aggressive, you know, with some top man systems and, you know, got multiple ropes going at the same time and, you know, so the management was kind of fun and kept it interesting. But ultimately, I was like, I'm really serving my clients here in this train. And when you, some of the quotes I've read in the past and some of these podcasts have been about, you know, giving your clients the experience. Guides go out and do like very repetitive, sometimes mundane routes over and over and over again. But you're like renewed by going to this place and, and you know, seeing it again and being welcomed by it again, you know, and you know, even though the terrain is static here, the clients are always different, right? So, so we don't necessarily have the terrain challenge here necessarily. Once you know the area super well, you so you can you kind of done every variation. Um, even though I still find that I'm, there's a few variations that I haven't done before. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. The challenge here for us is, and oftentimes in areas where you you have very repetitive terrain, is now the clients are the challenge, right? So you're constantly figuring out what they need and how you can serve them um, as best as you can. And having a really intimate knowledge of terrain really allows you to do some really cool stuff because you know exactly the right spots to go and the right movement and, and you can do that. But it's challenging with with sustainability because it's like eventually like that gets kind of boring, right? So, 
you start adding things in to make that more interesting. So maybe you start using techniques to, that are more novel because it's more interesting for you to use that technique versus that that technique may be the most appropriate thing to do in that scenario. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But you're like, oh, I'm going to do this today just because it's something different, something new, you know. And you know, there's some benefit to that as you allows you to learn more about certain techniques and how they work. But there's also some downfalls where you might be pushing a technique that's not really the right choice at that time. But you're doing it to help just sustain your emotional level, your your engagement in this activity. Otherwise, when you start getting disengaged from this activity, you're tired, you're mentally just bored, like you start becoming sloppy and careless, right? And that's what leads us to accidents. So sustainability is a little bit more encompassing. You know, I was talking once again to this friend of mine that I mentioned in the beginning and we have a mutual guide friend and, and that guide made the comment like that he's weak. He, you know, climbing is actually a weakness for him because he can't just like be where he is and just kind of not go climbing and travel. He he has to because it's it he doesn't have the strength just to kind of have a, a very simple life and, and not travel and just kinda of be happy where he is. He has to go out and like challenge himself. And I was like, oh that's really that's really true in a lot of ways. It's like it's almost like a weakness, not a strength, because if we were, you know, totally just at ease to be where we are and just do what we're doing and where we are and not worry about the travel piece, um, you know, we would have a lot smaller impact on the world you know both on a global scale and then on a regional scale because everything's obviously connected right so i think the sustainability piece is interesting how do we sustain our careers both physically and mentally and emotionally to have the right level of challenge um, that keeps us engaged and keeps us growing but how does that sustainability translate into resource use you know so all the equipment that we buy all the travel that we do like how about that sustainability so they're all really interconnected um, which is interesting when you think about it we don't always think of them as interconnected but it's true you know um, there are big pieces of me that I'm like you know what I have a great life I live in a beautiful area yeah does it have ski touring out my door no would I love that yes does it have beautiful alpine climbing right out my door no a few hours away yes do I have some really stunning rock climbing? Yeah. Is it really big? No. But is it beautiful? Yeah. And it makes me happy to be here. Um, and it makes me happy to take people and show them this place. You know, so, you know, I was kind of thinking the other day after that really good uh, morning and afternoon session, I'm like, yeah, you know, I I don't know if I need to travel as much anymore. I probably still will to some degree, but like, I I do find a great sense of enjoyment and accomplishment and, and being able to give the experience to my clients that I have. And then that makes me feel good that I'm not necessarily flying on a plane everywhere, you know, to take one person up one mountain in some remote area. Um, so it's an interesting piece to think about, this whole piece of sustainability um, and how we can impact that um, and just by our choices. So something worth thinking about in the future.